Hello, and welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today on the show, I am so lucky to be joined by the two hosts of Cadaver Dogs. I'm joined by Devin and David of what I just said, uh, Cadaver Dogs podcast. Thank you so much, you two, for coming on the show this morning. So excited to be back again in the room with both of you, David, I see all the time, but with you, Brucker, especially. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very excited to have both of you on back again. This is the first time I've had both of you on at the same time. For those that may or may not remember, uh, I've had Devin on before to discuss the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Very fun episode. I loved how much details that we got into that and just like theorizing. I remember we talked about was is Leatherface like the matriarchy of the of the Sawyer family and all that. That was a <laughs> very fun discussion. And that was so much fun. I feel like I keep referring back to that discussion when I reference Texas Chainsaw with friends or on our show. I'm like, but you have to listen to how deep Brucker and I got into it on this one episode. It was a good episode. <laughs> Thank you. And it's it's crazy. I mean, I don't want to rehash Texas Chainsaw right now, but like there's <laughs> academics love that movie. So there's so much like source material and like papers to read about it. It's crazy how much like academics love that movie. But uh David, uh, you've also been on to talk about a slightly different type of movie, but a Slumber Party <laughs> Massacre 2. And I'm realizing both movies I've been on involve the word massacre in the title, which is great, that is, I think. It is. We also wrote a script called Massacre, so <laughs> together so we wrote it. <laughs> it's a great yeah. word. It's a catch-all for so many things. It, you know, it could be a super intense bloody thing or super wacky bloody thing both of those <laughs> movies i think fall into those two wheelhouses would you would both before we like really get into like the meat of things would you say that those two movies that you've been on here before are like representative of like kind of like your own taste of things in movies at least horror because slumber party is like a little bit sillier <laughs> than you mean, texas chainsaw do you mean the two movies combined represent our taste or the one that we were on. <laughs> the the ones that you were on. It represents a corner of my taste. Yeah. I I like a lot. I also love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I also like movies that aren't slashers sometimes as well. Those are both slashers. So, you know, a few movies that don't involve the word massacre are on my list of movies that I like. <laughs> <laughs> but also yeah. several with the word massacre. Right. <laughs> I will say, yeah, I'm a catch all in terms of like what type of horror I really love. But Texas Chainsaw is up there in like not only in like top horror films, but top films, period. Mm -hmm. So a good representation of what I love. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And it's just funny because, like you know, those two movies are, I feel like on like the different spectrum of slashers, too, is just like with how because like. Texas Chainsaw is like kind of it's like kind of a grounded film. I mean, like, you know, it's as much as, you know, having a cannibalistic family somewhere in Texas just picking off hitchhikers. It's true. (laughs) It's not fantasy where like Slumber Party Massacre Part 2 has like all like these fantastical elements to it. (laughs) It's so it is campy. We got hmm. into it, though. I I loved it. We went so, so deep in that episode on this like silly, campy 80s movie. Yes, I remember I as, so much. I remember as soon as you and I got done recording, we were both just like, we did not expect to get that much content out of it. We're like, this is going to be like the shortest episode ever. 
but I'll kind of use this as a segue to get into. So you two obviously host a horror movie podcast, and I'm curious about what are kind of like your what, what's your history with horror? You know, like the genre. Like, have you have you two always been fans of horror, or was it something that like you kind of like developed into it? What was like your gateway into it? I'm very curious about like how horror fans really get into the genre. Yeah, I've always been a fan. I kind of I feel like I kind of like have a a boring different upbringing because I feel like I always love the stories of horror fans and how they really got into horror. The one movie that really like changed their whole idea of what a horror film is. For me, I grew up with it in my house. It was always on. My dad's a big horror fan. I always like to tell people that like my parents were really strict about what kind of movies I was allowed to watch. Like Definitely by the time I turned 17, they were still like, I don't know if you should see R-rated films. I don't want to pay for that ticket for you. But by the time I was like 11, if it was an R-rated horror movie, yeah, that's fine. We, we, you go watch whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I always, just always grew up around horror. And I think my relationship with films, with these films and the genre have changed definitely over the years from, I mean, when I was a teenager, watching a lot of of horror films that starred people, well, not my age, they're 30, but they were supposed to be, you know, 17. But seeing that relationship, I feel like that was always something that 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 I bonded with. And then I think the female angle, as I am exploring more and more of the films that I loved as a child, so many horror films star women. And that was not something that was necessarily seen a lot when I was growing up. So just finding more and more things I love about the genre as I grow older. And of course, and we'll get into like what, what we talk about on our podcast later, but the political and cultural views now as I am an adult really bond with me as well. David has oh. a very, I, I love David's intro to horror. <laughs> <laughs> he has the more unconventional, <laughs> like this is the one thing that changed for me for forever. <laughs> oh man, I have several of those. Yeah, I was not into horror as a kid or at least I didn't think I was I was I was convinced that I I, I didn't like horror because like you're not supposed to like horror you're like horror is that that lesser genre so I, I was I was convinced by that narrative even though like Scooby-Doo is my favorite show I was obsessed with monsters and knowing everything about the mythology of monsters and writing about them like I had this whole epic 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 series lined out called monster wars which is all just like the vampires and werewolves are fighting but then there's like all the other things in there i'm like anytime i would hear about a monster i'm like okay where does that go in monster wars what's going on with the the gargoyles what's going on with the wizards it was just all of that nonsense craziness i like wrote a superhero story that wound up actually just being a horror story instead <laughs> <laughs> Like, like I was obviously obsessed with horror, but for some reason, I like wouldn't admit that to myself. So then in high school, I had a friend just be like, David, uh, I, I think you like horror. So we watched Scream and Saw. And Whoa, I love both what of a them. double feature. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not back to back. Yeah, I love them both, especially Scream. Scream was like, holy fuck, this is amazing. Maybe you're right. Maybe I do like horror. Uh, so then I went out on my own to explore this more. And the first thing I said, OK, the next one that everyone talks about is Halloween. So I'm going to watch Halloween. And I hated it. Uh, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> but I hated it. Uh, and I was like, this is 
just all the stuff that Scream was making fun of. So, okay, I liked Scream because it was like a, a parody, but like I don't actually like horror. That was just the exception. Then years go by, every now and then I would see another horror movie and I'd say, that's another exception. So then I'm like, okay, so my exceptions are like, it's Scream, Saw, and Rosemary's Baby. It's Scream, Saw, Rosemary's Baby, Invasion of Body Snatchers, American World from London, Insidious, all the Universal monster movies. After a while, I'm like, this, this is adding up a little bit. <laughs> um, and the thing that changed was like, in college, literally four years later, I saw a clip from Rob Zombie's Halloween and said, oh, I've seen this movie. And then I realized that I, I, I had watched the wrong Halloween and I had seen the one that everyone hated. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. But now John Carpenter's Halloween is David's like all time favorite. So, so <laughs> top five, whole, top five. The whole time, were you like, "Where's Jamie Lee?" Like, were, were you like asking yourself these type of questions, or were you were you kind no, of like, "No," because I was a dumb kid. I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that happened to me now, I would just like take a look, one look at a shot in the movie, and I'd be like, "This is the wrong decade." <laughs> I was in high school. I didn't know anything about filmmaking yet. So <laughs> there's that kid from Spy Kids. I'm pretty sure he wasn't in this. I'm but... really bad at faces. <laughs> oh my god! The kid from Spy Kids was in Halloween. He was the bully. The that Michael kills with a tree branch. Oh my god! Junie. Really? I, I don't remember their names. Daryl yeah, Samara. Was... Yeah, yeah. He was the little boy from Sp- from the first Spike or. Spike is trilogy. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's been a minute. See, I saw, I saw, I saw Rob Zombie's Halloween the, the same age that David saw it, and I loved it. This is what age was this? <laughs> that know, came out well, were we like 16, 17, 17, something like that. Uh, I mean, I watched it on the internet, I didn't watch it in theaters. <laughs> oh, so you saw it later. Okay, well, I saw it in theaters. Okay. I was like, I was picturing Opening night with your parents. <laughs> I was teenage, David. I was in high school. I guess that would be in 2008. It came out like 05, 06, something like that. Maybe 07. 07. It came out 07. I think, I think 07. Yeah. Well, I, I love the, the two different, uh, basically, origin stories you'll have for this. And I have to say, my uh, David's kind of like experience or like entry into horror it's very close to mine honestly as a kid i was you accidentally watched a nightmare on elm street the remake and thought that you hated horror before realizing you watched the wrong one right it's very close i did watch the <laughs> remake before i saw the original Ooh. and so i had nothing to compare it to i was kind of like well because I, was, I saw that when i was like i don't know like 14 i think and I was kind of like, oh, this movie. Honestly, I was like, this movie is rad. Like, this is like crazy. And then, then I watched the original. I was like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's the thing. It's like, yes, remakes for original fans. Like, they're always probably going to be harder for us to wrap our head around. Mm-hmm. But they're made for fourteen-year-old Brucker to be like, wait, this is really cool. I've never seen a movie like this before. And I'm seeing it because, I don't know, it stars someone that I saw on One Tree Hill or whoever else is in <laughs> that movie, you know? <laughs> but now that is your entryway into horror. And that's like one of the things that gets me so, I'm not going to say angry. I'm going to say amped when things like amped. people are talking about like the Star Wars 
refranchise or like when things are, you know, they bring back older IP. And I'm like, yes, it's hard for us. But imagine little you. Wouldn't you want to see that? Wouldn't you want that opportunity? Right. But, but The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie, period. So okay, yes. <laughs> it was worth it. It's it is good. Like I, I don't hate it like how other people do. But the so Devin, great co- point in but I think my thing is that like I'm actually happier that I got to experience a nightmare on Elm Street for the first time as an adult. Because I, I could like yes. really appreciate it and just be like, oh my God, this is like just Wes Craven just like going a hundred miles an hour. This is so good. And because, like, I guarantee you, if I watched that as a 14-year-old, I probably would have been like, that's okay. Like, I don't think I would have appreciated yeah. as much as <laughs> as a dumb teenager, honestly. But uh, to, to, to backtrack a little bit, Nightmare on Elm Street was not my entry into horror, just, just to be clear. I okay. just, happened to see, <laughs> just happened to see the remake before I saw the original. But, though, very much like David, I grew up really liking monsters. Scooby-Doo, I was so into that. The... Uh, it really like I think like my quote sort of like awakening into like just like a little like inkling of like horror and like a little bit like the slasher element was just like reading Agatha Christie and like oh, in wow. high school because uh, it was specifically and then there were none like everybody like reads that when they're like I think feel, feel like a freshman in high school or something but that's kind of like the whole like plot device of like people being picked off one by one and like it, I remember even being like a little scared reading that as like a kid. And I was like, oh, this, and like, I've been kind of like chasing that like morbid curiosity since then. And, <laughs> but as a kid, I was too chicken shit to like really watch anything. Like I was scared myself walking down the aisles of Blockbuster, looking at the like covers of DVDs of like in the horror section, just scaring myself doing that. Uh, it really wasn't until like college or I take that back. Like high school, I was renting movies, you know, like going like Redbox and stuff like that. And, it was pointed out by some by my girlfriend's parents like you always pick like a ghost story or like some sort of like horror movie. I was like, are these horror movies kind of like the same thing like David was doing? Like, are, <laughs> are these actually horror movies? And then like by the time college came, watched Scream and went, oh, I'm full in like whole hog. I'm ready to go. Like, I want to <laughs> see all these things that they're referencing and understand the tropes and the rules and all that. So, yeah, that's so. So anyways, very similar to David. I had that same kind of like slow build into it <laughs> but it was scream no it's always so interesting i feel like a lot of it's people always, always scream. say scream yeah which <laughs> i love that you can love that movie without already knowing everything that it's making fun of you know yeah because yeah. like i think that was like the first movie that really introduced like terms that like people use like final girl yeah. and things like that because i remember I was like what is because uh, that gets thrown around so much. I was like, it feels like that's a term I should know. I don't know what that means. And horror is like a genre with, I mean, it's tropes, but like, you know, like rules and like established terminology that people kind of like carry over and use that I feel like other genres don't always have. And it's like, I feel like there's a lot of like unique exceptions for horror. But I know like we're talking about Scream and everything, but um, and I wanted to so now that we kind of like understand like your origins into it, like <laughs> I guess I was the next question I was going to ask was kind of like your taste and like some of the, I know it's like, it's really hard to say like, what is your favorite horror movie? Rattle off some that like you always say, maybe like your top four or five or something like that. Yeah. I jump around a lot. You know, I love my slashers. I love my ghost stories. I love my old school monsters and my new school monsters. Uh, I love my 
serious, slow burn, dramatic horror movies. And I love my extremely campy, silly, ridiculous movies. I I I I love like all of it. It's it's more like instead of exploring all the genres of film, I'm just exploring all the genres of horror. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's a good know, way of putting it. Yeah, my my favorites are always Rosemary's Baby and An American Werewolf in London. So I feel like that is a spectrum in itself. <laughs> right. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, David, you're right. I'm pretty similar. I do jump around. I like, I think the ones, if I'm going through my cues, the ones I usually gravitate towards are, I love supernatural ones. Any good haunted house story I am in for. My favorite movie of all time is is Poltergeist. So I'm that's like very much what I love. I do tend to gravitate towards 70s slow burns and then like really out there 80s crazy like any anything made in the 80s that's horror i will touch (laughs) i will watch (laughs) i love it it can be bad it can be campy it can be incredible (laughs) so i always love good 80s ones oh god now i'm just gonna start listening i always love the the 2006 resurgence horror films i'm still like i i always find myself going back to it it's probably a nostalgia thing because those were the ones that like i watched with all my friends in high school what do you mean oh like resurgent like the 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 studio ones like the like like jennifer's body around that time oh okay okay like the haunting Uh, what are some other good ones that we've been naming with hide and seek hide and seek okay not good (laughs) well well, wait wait Brooker, you were just talking about how like you were scared by like the pictures in the blockbuster. The trailer for Hide and Seek scared the ever living shit out of me when I was twelve years old. Charlie. I was so horrified. And then I like, as I got older, I like because no, it just completely faded from the public consciousness. No one ever talked about that movie with the the scary imaginary friend. I'm still scared of spooky imaginary friends. And like I convinced myself that I had made this up, that it wasn't a real movie. And then one day I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I literally like I remembered a kid's name. Like I can just because he, I was so scared of Charlie. I could just Google imaginary friend Charlie. And then it's like hide and seek. And I'm like, oh, OK. So I watched it like two weeks ago. Finally, for the first time. <laughs> oh, fuck you did. Oh, man. That's so funny. You gaslit yourself into thinking this movie wasn't real. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I I I was a little more creeped out than I should have been just because it is my childhood trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Devin, you brought up the like the supernatural paranormal movies. I will say that is the genre that does the best at actually scaring me when I'm watching those movies. Oh. Just because the rules are always different and you never know like what's coming next. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think that's why I like exploring them so much. Cause like something for me, so zo- I will say zombie films are like the lowest on my, I like this kind of horror movie list. 
for the you opposite like, reason. Like the creature, not the director. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. I am a fan of Rob Zombie. He's a lot higher. Uh, no. Yeah. The, the creature, the zombie films are lower for me because they are more predictable in that sense. And I agree. Like, yeah, the supernatural haunted house films, you can kind of, it is a familiar genre, but one that you can change up. And yes, there are many other tropes. If I see one more goddamn red ball bouncing in a movie, I am going to scream. <laughs> but yeah, what they do with it is always really fun. It, David, you mentioned monster movies being like a huge fan of those and like even like, you know, kind of trying to develop these epic monster stories. Um, I love, <laughs> mon- I'm a big fan of monsters too. I'll ask this to both of you. I'll start with David. Do you have a favorite monster or like, like you know, like vampire, werewolf, mummy? Werewolves. Same. Yeah, werewolves are my favorite. <laughs> I, I like werewolves. <laughs> I don't know why. Even as a kid, I was just like, werewolves, those are awesome. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I think I like that it, it, it can be anyone. And like you might not even know you're a werewolf. Like I, I, I enjoy that aspect. The the, the there is the humanity behind the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's like the humanity part of it too. And it's like the this is like such a weird comp, but like I always kind of like see it as kind of like that like interesting kind of like stock character like people gravitate towards like like the tortured genius sort of role, kind of like mm. uh, like equated to like. It's a weird comparison, but like uh, Will Hunting from, you know, Good Will Hunting is like something or like Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars, too. Like hmm. they're both like very talented people in their own respects. Anakin with the Force um, and Will Hunting with books. But uh, they have like these darker shades to them and like they know that they shouldn't to be exploring those realms of themselves. But like they do let that out sometimes. And yeah. that's what I find really interesting about werewolves too, is that like when they, when they, when they do wolf out, their moral compass is kind of gone. And when they do come back, it's that whole like, you know, like what have I done sort of thing. And I don't know. I find that complexity very interesting. I, I think that's really accurate. A lot of werewolf story, the best werewolf movies are usually the ones that are following the person who becomes the werewolf. That's your wolf man. That's your American werewolf. That's your ginger snaps. And it, it's always, it, it, it it's the fear of yourself. It's the fear of what you are capable of, that there is something horrible inside of you that is fighting to get out. Oh, I love that. The, the fear of yourself. I think that's so good. <laughs> Devin, I'll toss it over to you. Favorite monsters of from, you know, any favorite monsters that you have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of that was so beautiful. And I wish, I wish I had an answer for this one. Cause I'm, I didn't really grow up liking the monster movies as much as much. And it's, it is a question that I constantly am trying to answer and discover as I'm watching more of the universal films. David really loves them and he, he brings them onto our show a lot. <laughs> so I do love the Wolfmans and, and all the classics, but I don't necessarily gravitate towards one. And I'm sorry to not answer your question okay. accurately, but I think I am much more of a fan of, I mean, you guys were talking about the, the tortured soul. I like those movies those horror movies that do follow the human characters in that sense more so than I, I like the, the monster movies, I think, but don't get me wrong. I still enjoy the monster movies. They're just not necessarily 
yeah, I don't, I don't have strong feelings about them, I guess is my answer. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Maybe we just need to get some more exposure. I, I think that's, I think that's the, the that's thing. probably we, the solution. We, we just got to get those numbers up, you know, <laughs> zombies really turned me off, man. <laughs> I'm like, I agree. I like the vampires and zombies. I find to be more of the, I don't know, like boring ones. And I know like, mm-hmm. Oh People no! Love their I love vampires. vampires. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, vampires are cool. I just feel like every time I, 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 it's the. I guess I haven't seen like the complexity, like tortured humanity part of it because they always seem like very in line with like, yeah, I need to get blood and or like, <laughs> and I'll do whatever I need to do to get it. Like, there's, I don't feel the struggle going on with many of the vampire movies, and I think that's why, like, watching the 1931 Dracula movie. Renfield, I think that's why I like that character so much because you do see yeah. the struggle with him. I want to recommend a movie to you, Brooker. It's a uh, it came out a couple of years ago. It's called My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Oh my god, this movie! <laughs> it is a vampire movie, but it's it's about the family, the siblings who are not vampires, basically become the caretakers of their. I think younger brother, but he's a vampire, so who really knows? A- and they have to bring him the the people whose blood to eat, and he's like this annoying kid who like wants to be a normal kid, and it's it's so sad. It basically uses the vampirism as like a metaphor for some sort of debilitating disease or whatever. It's a really great movie. <laughs> I I remember because you you threw that the movie title at me at some point at some time and I remember I Did watched I? a trailer for it and I was instantly like oh my god this <laughs> movie looks really good <laughs> and I remember I was even like talking to my co-host I was like this is something we should have on our radar at some point because it looks very it looks very melodramatic but like in a in a sense of like I want to watch that and yeah also like the because it seems like the struggle at least from the trailer. Uh, you, you don't have to spoil anything if you don't want to, but like it looks like that complexity is being thrown onto the family more so than like the the vampire character themselves. But it did very much yeah, pique my interest. Sense. Yeah, yeah, but it still shows. I mean, yeah. what I what I do love about I love showing young vampire characters for this film, but also I think for Interview with a Vampire because they are in that forever arrested development of they cannot grow up and they 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 are so limited i mean especially in my heart can't beat unless you tell it to it it is like david said that want to be able to play with other kids to go outside during the daytime i mean just that like go to go like play in a sandbox or something Mm. that literally every other child is doing or to connect with with somebody else in the world that's around your same age but you can't because you will eat them (laughs) 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 what a sad and tragic character see i would watch that that sounds like i would want to kind of like explore that complexity too because i feel like every time at least the vampire movies i've been exposed to is always kind of like they are like spawn of satan already super evil and it's about just just just, just ridding them so like i i feel like it loses that sort of humanity to it but okay, I mean that's another reason that I like 
cadaver dog so much is because like i feel like there's a lot of that uh y'all have covered that have really made me go okay i I should probably go watch that before i listen to y'all talk about it and spoil it and uh i think like one of the first movies y'all got me to watch uh indirectly was the that christmas movie uh better watch out yes (laughs) because it was it's i think it's called like xmas psycho special was the name of the episode i think yeah (laughs) yeah because you paired it with american psycho and which is just brilliant to pair those two movies together honestly (laughs) (laughs) and i remember that was such as uh this was obviously i watched the movie before i listened to the episode and i was like god this kid is so goddamn annoying like i just need I just need somebody to take a bat to his forehead for me and just <laughs> listening to you all have like the same sort of reaction was so cathartic. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, y'all have been able to like expose me and hopefully lots of other people to like gems in, in the genre like that. Cause I normally would never really go out of my way to watch like a Christmas themed horror movie that isn't the original black Christmas. So oh, interesting. yeah, so that was, that was a lot of fun to, to explore. I'm so happy to hear that because I think that's something that we try really hard to do with our podcast is explore all corners of horror and and really get in deep there. And especially, yeah, trying to find those movies like American Psycho to fit into a Christmas special. Some things <laughs> that you would never think of, but they do, but they fit so well. You just have to like do a little do a little research or get, do a little digging to figure out why they fit so well. I mean, I know that that. That's always something that we keep at the top of our minds. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. A lot of my favorite pairings have been ones that seem really weird and and don't sound like they would make sense. But then you dig into them a bit and you see where it goes. Like uh, we recently did. We need to talk about Kevin with Christine, the Stephen King Christine, (laughs) which seems weird. But then you're like, well, they're both about these teenagers who wind up going on a killing spree so what are they both saying about that and how are they exploring it and they wound up complimenting each other really well and taking very different approaches to the subject i love that and uh i just just to kind of like gas up christine a little bit i know that i've at least (laughs) just from my old research i've done it seems like not too many people are a fan of that movie christine but i remember i really liked it when i watched it um i thought it was pretty i love that movie yeah yeah yeah. That was the first wa- first watch for me, and I was it was not what I was expecting for sure. What were you expecting? I was expecting something like a little more classic, I guess, in terms of like a John Carpenter, Stephen King '80s film with a killer car. It it was a <laughs> lot slower, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not a it's not an absurdist, campy. Campness. <laughs> right. Campness. You're like, killer car. Okay. Little camp, right? Little camp. Were you expecting Transformers with like a slasher twist okay, to it? Yeah. <laughs> you were like, Stephen like King's a little reanimator. Bit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just remember the whole time I was. I just remember the whole time I was watching that. I was like, this guy wants to fuck this car so badly. Like in like the, the whole, when the car like reshapes itself in the garage, it's almost like a strip tease is like how it shot almost. Cause like they do like the whole like shot Mm. between his legs and everything. I was like, this is, this is so weird. Like right now I don't, I don't understand what they're trying to say. If you want to watch someone fuck a car, then you've got to town for that. 
think that this is kind of like a good segue to get into cadaver dogs and how you all like to pretty much just how cool of a show I think it is because I think it's so unique in terms of besides there's podcasts there's like horror podcasts especially with how you do pair these movies together and you find the common thread or theme between them and it's not always obvious but like uh, y'all always do a really good job at you know explaining and drawing those connections where the connective tissue is and everything so I guess before I get into kind of like asking some stuff about like you know how do you, how do you come up with the episode ideas just how, how did cadaver do- dogs get started we we weren't all friends well david and i have been friends oh. for a long time no, we, we went to film school together no yeah. so rob rob and david were friends and i had only met rob i think a few months before we started the show because rob had another podcast with his with some other friends of his and I came on their show to talk about, Oh my God, what was it? It was the, the woman without a face. No, that's not right. What are, what yeah, that it? is. Cause a uh, woman, no. uh, eyes without a face, eyes, eyes without, without a face. face. Thank you. Eyes without yes. a face centipede and another show or another movie that was like totally Tusk. out there. Tusk. It was Tusk. Yeah. Cause it was, and, it was whoa. body modification. Thank you. Oh my God. We did four I movies. I still haven't, listen watch this episode because i still haven't seen i mean i don't care if you spoil human centipede but i still haven't seen the skin i live in although it now has been spoiled for me because rob just spoiled it in an episode that i was editing then i'm like god damn it rob and then i still haven't watched the movie because he spoiled it for me i I cut the spoilers out of the episode because i was really mad (laughs) i'm like no you can't spoil this movie why would you do that well, it's a good movie, and the episode I did with Rob was really fun, and at the end of it, Rob and I kept going on and on about how like these body modification films, all of them somehow touched on World War II. Oh. Don't know how we got oh, there. We, yeah, we went really deep into it, and then afterwards, Rob was like, that was a cool conversation. We should keep talking and be friends, and then hmm. he ended the other podcast and was like, I still really, I find talking to the three of us. I think we love horror movies. We had like a similar taste or at least respected each other's taste in horror and like talking about it with each other and would do horror movie nights virtually because it was the pandemic. And we're like, well, let's, let's do a podcast as, as every podcast begins with, with a little bit of love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Rob was definitely the originator. I, 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 the, the way it was for me, because I wasn't on that episode, so I wasn't involved in that part of it, was me and Robert hang out as the code restrictions were starting to lighten up and whatnot. <clears throat> and we got just talking over drinks about Reanimator. And basically, like, somehow this became like me going on this huge thing about like the, the cat in Reanimator. So if you've seen Reanimator, if, if you haven't seen Reanimator, there, there's a cat that is killed. And Herbert brings it back. But before that, Barbara Crampton is like, uh, how, 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 what did you do? Why did you kill the cat? And he's like, I didn't kill the cat. It was an accident. It, it just, it just so happened to die. And like makes, gives the story about this absurd freak accident that killed the cat. <laughs> and we're never actually given a definitive answer in the movie. Like there's no cutaway to what happened. So, you could believe Herbert or you could think that he's lying and he killed the cat. 
And I think that there are reasonable arguments for both of those, and it's completely ambiguous, but never talked about. And with the movie being about, like, basically science and how far you should go for science, like, Herbert is kind of an anti-hero in a way. Like, a lot of it is his fault, but he has good intentions, and he's trying to correct the things that go wrong. So... Basically, the argument I made was that whether or not you think he killed the cat changes how you view the movie. That if he killed the cat, then he has gone too far. This is He is not exploring this for the betterment of humanity. He is just being a mad scientist and causing harm everywhere he goes. If the cat was actually killed by accident, and then he's trying to bring it back, then there you go. He actually is legitimately trying... To help people, he is not seeking to cause harm. And then, as we're having this conversation and like talking over each other the entire time, Rob just goes, "This is a podcast. We should do a podcast." <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even there at the initiation. They were like, "Okay," and then Devin can join. <laughs> no, no, no. Because then I said no. I was like, "I don't, I don't want to do that. I have no interest in that. You go do that. I'm not going to do that." And then Rob got Devin, and then Rob and Devin both came to me and like, "We're doing this podcast. You should do this podcast with us." And I was just like. Okay. <laughs> Get in the car. We're going to go record. <laughs> you have you have no say in this. <laughs> Which, but yeah, I watched that for the first time. I think like last year. And yeah, that's that's oh turned into like one of my favorite I love it new so ones. <laughs> that that's one of those movies you can just put on any time and like have fun. Like it is, it is so so much fun. <laughs> yes, and the whole the whole cat that's thing. I, I love that line he has. He's like, "What was I supposed to do? Leave a nose like, cat dead?" Details later. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that movie made me fall in love with like yeah campiness. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I that that yeah. I mean, American Werewolf was probably my intro to campiness, but. I feel like Reanimator is more campy. Yeah. Reanimator was probably like my like, oh, I really love this campy shit. Let's let's watch more campy crazy. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like this is clearly campy and I'm clearly having an amazing time doing yeah. it. Like I <laughs> right. want more of this. Yeah, it's I'm so good. The and exact opposite of when I was a kid. Now I'm just like, no, 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 no. All that like prestige and I don't care. Just give give me like random craziness. <laughs> give me goofy gore. Yeah. And yeah. Because it's so <laughs> dependent on the performances too. Because like that movie, there's like what like really like three settings, and it. it's like their basement, the morgue, and then like maybe the hospital. But like it's and I just love just <laughs> how much how long we're in the morgue in that movie. It's like because it, <laughs> it's like it just keeps escalating like all of the carnage that's going on down there, and also like. It's like one of like the few movies that's like, oh yeah, like there's like male nudity in this too. Like great. Like, you know, there's it, yeah. it, it does Is it, it? Like, Oh yeah, yeah. All the bodies come back to life uh, in the morning oh, yeah, like, yeah. running around. Like the big beef the beefcake <laughs> guy. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They show everything for, for that dude. Uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> I I love the the security guard who's just like the worst security guard in the history of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> that dude loves his job, though. He's, he's so bad at his job. He's just like, oh, look, all these people are going to the morgue. Oh, time for my break. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Or he's just like, hey, what is it this time? And I think he says something about like road, like like I don't know, a guy got like ran over. So he's like, you don't want to see it. He goes, yeah, I don't. <laughs> oh, my he God. is all I of us. Him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we were on, you know, on this show. We were just talking. We just talked about an episode of Supernatural. And I'm not very well versed in that show. I've only seen like a like a peppering of episodes, and I was just like, it, it's amazing to me just how how much like they're just walking the morgues like with no credentials or anything. Like they just like allow <laughs> them in all the time. And my co-host, she's like, oh yeah, you'll be surprised. Like she's like, there's a decent percentage of the show that just takes place in morgues and them just walking in whenever they want. But uh, <laughs> but they're not like cops. I haven't seen it either. They're not like cops or anything. They have literally no, no reason to be there <laughs> no it's kind of like they always like pretend to be cops but like they're not actually cops and just nobody checks it and it's <laughs> it's because it, it's funny because it's almost like the, re- <laughs> the morgue receptionist is like please like we need more visitors we have horrible foot traffic here like we need more people <laughs> to come <laughs> <laughs> why I don't this is a show. I don't know. But <laughs> I would argue they have too many people going to the morgue, but still little foot traffic, if you get what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> they yes, never yes, really I'll, come I'll... out, do they? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a line of reanimator as well. <laughs> they all go in, they never come out. <laughs> At least not the same. No. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so for getting back to cadaver dogs and how how great it is with and that's something I really do like about the show, how I've already mentioned about how analytical it is. And that's kind of something I wanted to ask. And I have a feeling this might be like kind of hard to answer. But like when you are thinking about episodes, is it the movies that like come first or is it like the themes that come first and then like the pairings come after that? Like I'm kind of curious about how the sausage is made for that. Yeah, I think it tends to be the themes of the episodes but yeah we so so we rotate in terms of like how we choose things we each pitch different pairings or sometimes we pitch a film of like i really love how Pumpkinhead talks about the rust belt like do you have a, a movie idea for what we can pair with Pumpkinhead? sometimes we do it that way sometimes we're like i really want to talk about feminism in the 70s what movies would like best represent what was going on with women at that time um, and then sometimes it's for something like the Christmas special. <laughs> We're going to do better watch out because it's a Christmas special. What can we do with better watch out? So it's kind of a mix of everything. But I think the the pitch process is really one where we like we work together to find the best pairing or sometimes struggle to find the best pairing. <laughs> OK, Devin, for feminism in the 70s, <clears throat> we should do an episode on Black Christmas and the Evil Dead. Oh my God. We'll talk later. No, it's beautiful, but we already have an episode about feminism in the 70s. Oh, we do? Which one's that? You can always do a follow up. We always need more of it. <laughs> there are and... several. We could do so many. It, 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 I think that each of us would choose, choose it a little bit differently, have slightly different processes. For me, whenever I'm watching a movie, my brain just starts thinking of things that it would pair with. And then if I have a good enough pairing, then I just keep it in my brain. And then when I need to pitch something, I'm like, here's the, the 10 movies that I have like wanting to cover. So like, this is the one I'm most excited about. Let's do that pairing. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's, it's more the pairing that comes first, I guess, like just finding a 
weird creative pairing is is, is my first thing. Yeah, our brains do work very differently. Yeah. I'm curious if people can tell like which ones David chose versus which ones I chose. <laughs> they can definitely tell which ones Rob chose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he has a very different taste of films films yeah. than we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not in a bad way. I I love the movies that yeah. he's introduced us to. But I do think like Rob, Rob recently left, so now it's just the two of us, and our rotation, so to speak, might be more freeform now since we're bringing on more guests and we're giving our guests a list of movies uh, of possible pairings to choose from. So it won't necessarily be so even as every three episodes is a David pairing and then every three episodes is a Devin pairing. It's not going to be quite that easy to predict anymore i think <laughs> oh i I, th- I think that's very cool um and at least like for me when i'm doing i, I kind of just go by like vibes and just like just what i'm yeah. in the mood mm. for i mean like i'm not doing the pairings like you two are but i I found like the pairings format to be like very fascinating and like unique too because i don't i can't name another podcast that does that really and I, I, I just, that's one of my favorite things about it. It's just like the connective tissue they all bring up and like the, cause I think, I mean, it kind of seems like maybe an obvious pairing, but I remember their episode on X and Friday the 13th, the original one. Mm. And I think it was a, like, like slasher studies or something like that. I think it was the name of the episode, but um, yes, it was that. very cool hearing. Cause like, you know, obviously they're both slashers that kind of like deal with like, you know, like sex is sin and like, you know, you'd, get punished for that but like learning a little bit or kind of like hearing kind of like the very like intellectual conversation you and rob had about the rules that were going on how it was still like the older generation punishing kind of like the the younger generation for like these vices that they're exploring and everything i was like oh that's definitely like a link i don't know if i would have really thought of like of those two movies together like that but uh, i don't know it's very cool how y'all explore the genre and the different themes and everything. I I I also find it interesting after having done like forty or whatever episodes with Devin and Rob, 30, 40, something like that, you start to notice that like our approaches to analysis is also like we come from slightly different angles. And that is really yeah. interesting because it brings slightly different approaches and different thoughts into the conversation. That there isn't really one true approach to how you analyze a movie. There are multiple ways of doing it. Like, um, I feel like Rob would be very literal. He would look at the plot and he would just be like judging how the plot constructs whatever ideas, which was always interesting. And then for me, I feel like I'm based more off of the emotion. I care. I, I, I almost don't care what the plot is. I care more about what the the feelings behind it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and I th- I think something else with that, too, is that we always want to look at movies from different points of view, um, not yeah. just from how we approach analytically, but we do. I mean, I, I'm a woman. David's a man. We have <laughs> very different upbringings from that sense. So we are approaching all of these films with a different perspective to start, which we do love talking about how, okay, well, as a woman, like how do you see the female characters or as a man, how is, you know, toxic masculinity represented in this um, serial killer? So that's always something that we we try to bring and talk about as well. 
but I do want to want to thank you, Rucker, for for saying that it's nice to to see the comparison of films because I think that's always something that it is hard to do a lot of the time. So I really appreciate you saying that. And it was always something like from the very beginning, we were like, we want to do something. We want to do a podcast that is different. And though it is hard to do two movies and compare them and do all the research for them, like we do find it really important to, to, to do that deep research and to do the thematic analytical side of horror, because it really is important for us that people understand where horror is coming from. And Jordan Peele was not the first one to make a horror movie about the political climate. <laughs> right. Which I know a lot of your listeners <laughs> already know that, but <laughs> I feel like it's something that we we talk about a lot with a lot of people who who are coming into horror with already that that prejudice against it of oh it's just a tits out blood slashing film. And I think we're we are far enough now that people are doing that less and less, but when yeah. you start listing all the exceptions to that, eventually you have to accept that maybe these aren't exceptions. <laughs> yeah. Right. I only like A24 horror. <laughs> I, I, I don't like horror except for Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Reanimator. Uh, uh, <laughs> Reanimator. <yeah. laughs> American Ralph in London. Like, you know, the ones that are about things like like uh, Friday the 13th. And hmm, maybe this isn't an exception. <laughs> I will say just just to clarify, I'm not I'm I'm excited people are discovering horror, and I'm excited that A24 and that these movies same like, they're bringing it back and people and Jordan Peele. I mean, I love I love A24 movies. I love Jordan Peele's movies. I love all these things that other people are exploring oh, as same. well. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I there's just there. I like that they're coming to horror. I guess is where I will leave it. There's more. I, to I, I would argue. I do argue that I think that the current era of horror is going to be remembered as like one of the better eras for horror. Like, I, yeah, I, this is the best horror movies have been since the 1980s, I think. Right. And so it makes sense that you're getting a lot of new fans from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely think like last year was like such a banner year for horror. To, like, so many, yeah. I feel like what might be like modern classics, maybe we'll see how it turns out. But I feel like <laughs> last year there were so many great movies that, it, it just feels like every month, like a, an exciting new horror movie was out. Like I remember, I think one like examples was like Barbarian, and you know, so Barbarian many people, was so good. <laughs> it was so good, and I really enjoyed it. And but it was funny because like I didn't really see advertisement for it, and I missed it in the theaters. I didn't see it in the theaters, and then at work one day, this person who I've never interacted with before at all at work. Uh, he just knew I was a horror fan. That's it. Like we never really spoke before. He just mm-hmm. messaged me on Teams. He was like, "Hey, have you seen Barbarian yet?" I said, "No." He goes, "It's on HBO Max. Don't watch the trailer. Watch it and get back to me." I was like, "I've never <laughs> talked to you before." Like, what's your name? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> then "I was like, all right, I'm doing that tonight because that felt like a threat." <laughs> and then I got back to him. I was just like, "Holy shit!" He's like, "Right." The, the just conversation ended. We did. We never. We haven't spoken to each other since. But um, I feel, like last year, I feel like there was so many movies like that where like you're just like, hey, like I don't know who you are, but you, I don't know what you like, but you need to go see this. Whether it was like that yeah. or Smile, even I even like really enjoyed Men in like the 
I love men. Yes. I did not. <laughs> yes, you and I, Brooker, you and I are the only people who love this movie. Everyone else hates it, but we're right. I that movie that movie just like it's it's so weird. It's so fucking weird, but like I I also think I love it cuz my cuz I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it like opening day or like the next day or something like that, but it was like my last day I had before I started my new job and I'm a, I'm a big morning movie goer I like going in the morning so like I went got brunch had a few mimosas scooted my ass across the parking lot went to the movie theaters it was me two other people and one person left halfway through the movie uh, just watching it and I was just like I remember I stood outside the theater on at a or I stood I sat outside the theater at a bench for like a solid 20 minutes just going what the fuck did I just watch? Like, I like, I need someone to help me reel in my thoughts. I was like, I think I liked it, but like, I, I what the fuck was that? But yeah, okay. no, that, that I loved ripped. that moment. And you said earlier too, you were like, oh, I was connecting when you guys said this one thing. I was like, yes, that's exactly how I felt while listening to your podcast. Like, that's the moment I want to capture with our show so many times. And the thing that I love about horror podcasts too is like just or just podcasts in general i'll just extend it to all podcasts in general of i thought i felt alone in this feeling or i need to process my feelings after watching this movie the podcasts are there to help process or to connect and be like yes we all had that feeling you are not alone let's explore this together that is what i love about podcasts in general but specifically something that like i think the horror community really enhances through podcasting yeah, 100%. So you can find the the one other person who loved the movie Men. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you're getting into podcasting. Why? I feel like we've hit on some points, but like, what merits horror for us? like podcast to put it on a platform and like really get into it. Yeah. I think one of them is the community. Like we've been talking about, I think like there is such a strong community of people wanting to talk about horror, liking talking about horror and, and just wanting to, to find similar people in that genre. And I think podcasts do so well when they have a community around it because all we do is talk. That's literally what it is. But I mean, for us specifically, you know, Obviously, we've touched on this, but horror is the genre that is a everything is a metaphor for the most part and really digging deep into that metaphor. I will say, like, weirdly enough, our show is primarily a history podcast. Like it, it is it like it, we talk about horror movies, but we talk about horror movies through the lens of history. Ronald right, Reagan. David? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for one of you to say it. Yes, <laughs> it's just it's just a running joke at this point. That is also true. <laughs> yeah, all we do is talk about how Reagan fucked up the country and how we have explored it in eighties horror. And yes, <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of joke in there about like trickling down economics, but it's blood. Uh, there, there, there's somebody Ooh. will write that one day. Yeah. I like that. Ooh. <laughs> cool <laughs> but I, I agree with you Devin I think a point that you made earlier about the people being introduced to the genre and like kind of like discovering what 
it can be and like it's you know everything it's not just like the the quote like you know like elevated horror movies like the a24 stuff or jordan peele which are great movies like but the even like the crazy off the wall campy slasher you know like booby movies do have substance to them you know if you really want to dive into it and i think that's also part of why it's i think is like interesting about bringing horror into like a platform like this to talk about it with yeah. that lens and you know you've talked about like horror with like like kind of like gender studies too which i think is the most fascinating thing to me because as i was going through uh david's uh following david's footsteps and like you know the slow ball into liking horror i think one of the first things that like really like i had like that epiphany with i was listening to a podcast of course and they were talking about texas chainsaw massacre and like they got into this really big discussion about men women and chainsaws that carol carol j clover book yeah and and then they just did kind of like a deep dive on it and i got the book and i read the first essay in it and i was like oh my god like there's so much nuance and like substance and like commentary on this and it's really fascinating i find like the gender stuff into it to be like really fascinating because how you said like the horror movies are kind of like one of the genres where like the, there are like f- female stars that are like the the main characters and protagonists that you're following along and it's interesting seeing how like in at least in her essay like men will the first half of the movie identify with the villain but then after everyone's been killed they're like there's like this switch and now like they're identifying with a female character and everything i I don't know why but i just find all that so fascinating to talk about yeah i totally agree and that book and so many other essays around that like continue to open my eyes about horror um specifically through gender story studies but also now more so through through the lgd lgbtq plus lens as well i think we're starting to see that more in horror outright but also you know the i i i went to an interesting talk on texas chainsaw actually um and they and halloween and they talk about how it's also a queer story which is also fascinating that Mm. there are different ways to like look back at the history because it's not like there weren't queer people at that time you know and they were making movies and they were making horror movies but it's it's that really having to to dig deeper and look at it from a different lens or think about, you know, what the culture was like at that time or the history was like at that time and see how this story specifically can reflect those stories. Uh, one of the the grandfathers of horror was James Whale, who directed Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Invisible Man in the Old Dark House. Like he was bangers, probably bangers, the bangers. biggest horror director of the 30s and was an openly gay man in the 30s. People will deny that his career was ruined because of his sexuality, but his career was probably ruined because of his sexuality. That he he kind of stopped working as the Hayes Code uh, cranked up. and But those themes are, I think, baked into all of his movies. Yeah. Some people will deny that as well. James Whale's partner after his death said like no none of that was intended that's not in the movie stop reading into his movies as as queer studies which i mean that was like the 1950s at that point like you you have to say that (laughs) right but but here's the thing is like filmmakers don't always realize that they're doing it either like so many things yeah so many filmmakers that i've worked with 
like, so I'm also a film producer. And when I read a, a screenwriter script, I'm like, oh, I'm picking out these different themes. Like, is this something that like you really want to talk about? Is that something that we should lean into for the notes process or for, for the production process? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know those were there. Those are really personal to me. And I guess I just kind of wrote that because, you know, it's, it's built into me. It is, it is literally my perspective are these things that happen in my life and these very personal things to me. So I'm always going to look through that lens and I'm always, you know, unintentionally going to put it into my, into my work and it, and, but other people can see it and it's not necessarily something that you may see yourself, you know? Yeah, that is extremely true. No, I, I find that like really fascinating too. Cause like I recently had a discussion with some people on the show about genre and like, just, you know, what's, like, how do you define genre? Like, like what's mm. sort of like how many elements of, say, like a horror movie need to be there for it to be classified as a horror movie? And like, we're kind of like having like this interesting, like weird meta discussion about, you know, what is <laughs> horror? Like, what are not just like the rules to like surviving a horror movie, but like the literal like rules when making a mo- like horror story. And as it was brought up that like many times, and I'm curious if you two find this to be true that many times it's not so much that like somebody sets out to be like i'm going to make this genre movie it's just that they have the story and then like the genre kind of comes afterwards depends and, on the filmmaker i think yeah i, I assume yeah. it's not like a blanket <laughs> statement but i i'm just curious if you've seen that in your experience before yeah i i will agree i think the story comes first and then figuring out how to figuring out the themes and, and how you want it portray the the film i think some people do set out being like i'm gonna make a horror movie and i will say that those ones are probably not always the greatest depending on where they're coming from or what the story is <laughs> but yeah something so i i made a film a couple of years ago that i've talked on here about before and that um brucker had had the the director on it's called a nightmare wakes it's on shutter and that film is about Mary Shelley as she's writing Frankenstein. And that film did not start off as a horror film. And I, I still would argue that it isn't, you know, classically horror, but the whole movie is based in is based in fear, essentially. And it became more of a horror film as we were writing and as we were putting the pieces of the film together because we kept discovering that like there are so many horrible things and so many frightening things in the historical life of this woman that it started to just like come out as a darker and darker and darker script which then in turn made it a horror film i think that's very cool because i again nora has been on here before and i didn't actually know that part about how like it didn't start out as oh yeah this is going to be a horror script that she was writing but uh, i think that's very cool just at least here you know that that development this is like oh this is actually what we have here yeah and that movie, like like you said, it may not to some people be like, oh, this is obviously horror. It's definitely something kind of we talk about, too, with like genres that like it's like the mood and the tone and everything in it. And at least like watching A Nightmare Wakes, you definitely feel that like anxiety and paranoia and just fear, constant fear that she is like living in throughout the, that that movie. And it does you know, it does come off as like, like, yeah, this is like kind of a drama, but like, it's also, it's still horror. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that story can be told in, in many different ways, but it's, it's 
what themes or what what emotions do you want to pinpoint in it? I mean, to be honest, that story was also told in a film that came out a little bit earlier called Mary Shelley. And that one looked specifically more towards the the teenage romance side of things. So it was a little more drama. It was a little more lovey-dovey, but it wasn't too far from from our story as well. We just told it through a horror lens. So it's funny to see the the ways that, and I guess it comes from the filmmaker themselves, right? It's like, well, how are you reading the story? What pieces do you connect with? And like we were saying, different lenses bring bring out different stories. Yeah, uh, I, I find that super interesting. And I know you just mentioned, you know, you are a film producer. And David, I believe you've mentioned before you're a script supervisor. Is that is that correct? Yes, and also a writer-director as well. Do you f- find yourself viewing the movies that you cover on your podcast differently because you are involved in the filmmaking process? You kind of know how some of the stuff is done. Does that, like, you feel like that, does that influence how you read these movies that you cover? I mean, it, it kind of has to, I think. I mean, it's, it's what Devin was saying about, like, you have these lenses even if you don't intend them. Like, I I will be thinking about like what was an intentional choice what might have been an accident uh, and uh, it, it 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 changes your perspective to some degree that you can you can kind of see where things were an accident and where they weren't but it's also all still in there like i i don't think my opinion is like more important or anything because i work in the industry like anyone can watch a movie and have an opinion about it and analyze it and wherever you come from it it changes your lens it doesn't improve your lens it just changes it yeah i agree (laughs) yeah and and specifically for me from the producer side so producers usually work with the director the screenwriter and they're kind of caught in the middle of making sure that the the screenwriter and the director's intention comes through on the creative side but also they need a report to the money side the marketing side the studio side so you have to think logically and creatively which is constantly the um, tug of war with a producer And that's something that I always love to think about when analyzing films, especially horror films that are usually changed so much from the script phase to the release phase because of how the studio wants to market the film, because of how the studio needs to market the film in order to like make money off of it. And you can tell sometimes just like with my experience, oh, that's a studio note. Oh, that's a producer note versus that's. (laughs) not maybe what the director originally intended. I think Jennifer's body is a perfect example of that. But I I feel like the experience of working with studios definitely brings in a lot more insight to being able to understand how a script or how a film can change from the screenwriter's intent to the um, final release of the film. Now I'm thinking about it more and more. I think it's also something that we're seeing a lot more in, in modern movies when we talk about jump scares and everyone's like, that movie had too many jump scares, like having that be like a studio, like uh, the studio wanted it to be all jump scares, but really this is like a slow burn, like psychological thriller. Like I think like that's also a really great way to show outside of, of the gender exploration and the marketing exploration, how horror movies specifically can change in the marketplace as well. Oh, Sometimes it also background in film can, for me, make me respect such things more like so much. I've, I've shot jump scares and it's really fucking hard to shoot a jump scare. Like it, it is not an easy cheap out thing to do. It's an easy cheap out thing if you're going to make a shitty jump scare, but to make an actually good jump scare, that's really fucking hard. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. And I think it 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 makes you 
more aware of creative decisions in general of like we haven't talked about this movie but uh resurrection with rebecca hall in Mm. that one you you hear about a lot of things but you don't see that much which is like when as someone who works in film i'm immediately aware of like it is a choice to not show us these things the story didn't have to be told this way they chose to tell it this way why do they choose to tell it this way what are the advantages of that what is the effect of not getting to see it and then it's like you know a lot of the movie is about gaslighting you start to question whether this is actually happening or not and the more you show the more that goes away it's also just a fucking weird ass movie it is (laughs) (laughs) our favorite sad girl rebecca hall yeah (laughs) love her so much yes yeah i did a movie with her she's very nice (laughs) in that movie too specifically kind of like plays into that thing you were talking about earlier david with the whole like in reanimator the whole cat how do you read if herbert was intentionally mm. killed the cat or not and this mm. one too is like that whole you know how do you read the movie like is it kind of like in her head or like did these things actually happen and also like is i for oh i feel so bad forget the her like male counterpart in that movie the tim like roth yes yeah i also like i feel like there's also like a read of like he's not real like like if you you yeah. I feel yeah. like there's a way you can you could watch that movie that way if you wanted to i think all his scenes are with her i don't think he's in scenes with other people i mean i, I think there's I think she is in every scene isn't she i think mm-hmm. she's in every scene yeah there's one scene in the park where i think another person interacts with him but again that could, yeah it could if you wanted to watch it with that lens it could very easily be like it's still part of the yeah Del- well i don't say delusion but like hallucination or whatever but yeah no that and i think that's kind of like what you're saying like that it's, it's cool you could like kind of pick out and see like the 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 decisions made of like okay we are going to show this but we're not going to show this and you know things like that so and it it's that whole thing you know like showing versus telling and it leads you to be able to watch movies differently with certain ways yeah yeah, no, yeah. a lot of the time on cadaver dogs we we will start talking about like specific shots or whatever or how something is shot that the the filmmaking plays into our analysis not every time but a lot of the time yeah mm-hmm. yeah with, with with relative frequentness if it matters if it affects our read then we'll bring it up we'll use it as evidence or whatever for whatever we're discussing Uh, to pivot completely and <laughs> into a great different direction, uh, just because I want I want to be sure I had that I was able to bring this up because I know like Devin really likes these type of movies. I'm curious if you also have this nostalgia for them, David. But the Disney Channel original horror movies, like the the <laughs> decoms, like Halloween Town, Mom's Got a Day with a Vampire. Under wraps, all, all those. Uh, I definitely wanted to. While I know I have a f- another fan of those here, I wanted to like t- see you talk about those for a second. Uh, David, or do you have any sort of nostalgia or history with the Disney horror movies? Well, 
I wouldn't be able to have nostalgia since I didn't watch horror movies as a kid. There's a word that I've recently started using in my head called misnostalgia, which is a nostalgia for something that you never actually experienced. It's something that you missed out on. Because I feel like I get that sometimes. Like I, I, like I would say the Jack Black Goosebumps movie is something that gave me misnostalgia. Like I. I never read the Goosebumps books, but I still get that nostalgic feeling from this movie anyway. And I, I think it might even just be like it, a, a, a feeling of nostalgia that you're catching up on something that you missed out on when you were younger. Maybe. It's weird. I, I have not seen any of the DCOM movies, I don't think. Maybe I have. Oh I, I don't know. I just I don't, don't think know I how I haven't made you watch one, though. Like, that, have I feel I like seen that's one? impossible. <laughs> I don't know. Ha- oh, wait. What about Halloween Town? Have you at least seen that no. one? Oh, I have whoa. Okay, wait, but Hocus Pocus isn't a decom, but. I have not. It was supposed to be. <laughs> no, wait, you haven't seen Hocus Pocus? No, I think I, I told Devin like years ago that I would watch with her, and then we never did. Oh, no, we never did. Well, well, this upcoming spooky season. It's a great great time to do it. We're going to do a whole decom marathon. Have you ever done okay. that in order? Now I'm like curious if I should do like the Ooh. Halloween decom specials in order to see like, yeah, how they have all changed from year to year. Oh, that would be fascinating to do. I th- Oh, man, that, that is so interesting because I think... I, have to, I, I don't know for sure because I feel like like the earliest ones maybe is like 1998, I think. Yeah, they're not that maybe. old. Yeah. But they yeah, do get could. dark. They do. And like we, I've in my f- first year, like one of my first episodes or not one of my first episodes, but one of my like first 20 episodes, I talked about uh, Don't Look Under the Bed. Yes. David, I think that's where we should start. That movie's so good. Anyway. It's very okay. good. It, it, it holds up and it's like all sorts of like cool themes in there, especially for, like, for kids to be thinking about. <laughs> but uh, and you're when you watch that, you're like, yeah, this was like made by people that watch a Nightmare on Elm Street and wanted to make it for kids. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I Nightmare on Elm Street can be watched by kids. I think that one works better if you're a kid because watching as an adult, I I feel like I didn't feel much for that. Oh, interesting. But yeah, I definitely I I I I would love to watch more kids horror because I have a niece now. And I need to like secretly induct her into horror as she gets older. <laughs> no, it, it's such a good excuse to rewatch the Scooby Doo uh, series mm, with her. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I'll, I'll, I might, I mean, we'll see at what age I can start, but I'll, I might start with Jurassic Park because her parents don't watch horror. So I need That's to terrifying. convince them. Yeah. You're gonna but start like, with I Jurassic can, Park. You're I can sneak that her. one in there because <laughs> her parents might just be like, "Oh yeah, it's like a Spielberg movie. That's fine." <laughs> <laughs> I want to scare her. That's how you get someone. Like Brooker, you were just talking about how you were terrified by. Uh, uh, I know what you did last summer. Like there you go. That like implanted it in your brain. <laughs> yeah, it did. I, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> repeating that experiment. But yes. Uh, <laughs> Go, go Every with horror fan has like whatever Jaws. they were horrified by as a child. Yes. <laughs> For me, it was literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah, for Scooby-Doo, it, actually. Scooby-Doo never scared me. Yes, yeah, Scooby-Doo was cool. It was like those movies that my aunts accidentally let me watch. And then, I don't know if y'all <laughs> want, 
when you're a kid, if you ever watch like the like ghost hunting shows, like scariest places on earth or whatever. Oh, yeah. So oh, into the ghost hunting shows. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> and even a little bit today still. But yes. I like, <laughs> I remember watching scariest places on earth because I found out recently that was Linda Blair doing the voiceover for all that stuff. I oh, think. see, this is stuff like you don't realize. Oh, wow. And then like years later, you're like, wait, that's brilliant. I've been yeah. a fan of Linda Blair ever since I was seven, you know? I remember yeah. with my cousins, we watched an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Where mm. she like oh turns into a lizard or something, like a tiny little gecko, and it, it freaked me out so much, and I had nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> that show was scary. Yeah, no, yeah. Th- th- that show was actually traumatizing. Yeah. I... <laughs> I, I I know I watched that as a kid, but like I can't like really re- maybe I just buried it. I can't really recall any yeah. episodes besides this one. I don't, and again, this might be like that like fake memory thing, but I just recall this one like image of uh, this. It was like like a like boarding school I think for, for for girls, and this one girl was just looking, and she had like no face anymore. It was like a doll's face or something. And like they all were mm. like that. And like that's like how they slowly transform you. Again, this could have been like a fever dream as like a six-year-old. But I <laughs> I just remember I have that memory from watching that show. I don't know if anybody else remembers this one. I don't remember that one. But that sounds scary as all hell. I, <laughs> that sounds I creepy. That made me remind remember like an old show that I used to watch that was really weird. And Sometimes that happens, you know, when like you're like, oh, wait, that was a show and I didn't just make that up and it was a kid's show. Like, why the fuck did that yeah. exist? But I don't know if anyone watched Blake Colsey High. It was a Canadian TV show that was a boarding school and there was a black hole in the school. And it, yes. W- was this live action? Yes. Okay. I, it was, you said like boarding school. Okay. I think I know we talked. Was there, was there like an episode on a werewolf or like a werewolf involved at some point in it? I might be conflating shows because there is a show that is similar to what you're describing that I have a memory of watching, but I have zero clue what it was. I haven't seen like any like internet memes or gifs of it ever. Oh, there is a werewolf show that I also used to watch that I think was also Canadian. That was big wolf on campus. Did you watch that show? I was obsessed with that show. I don't I think, think I did. I think I saw an episode or two of that. I think that's, I, I have an image from that, which I've always like tried to place. I think that's it. It was a I teenage like werewolf and his yeah, best I think friend I, who was like really weird and super into conspiracy theories and aliens and stuff and had like, really I don't remember anything hair. beyond like a single image of it, but I think yeah. I always thought okay. this was Teen Wolf, the, but that sounds more accurate. Maybe this is the show I'm thinking of, but I do remember like a black hole in the middle of a school show as well. Man, how many did horror watch- shows did they make for kids back then? Right? This, well, that's what I'm saying. And, like, there are so many. So this wasn't explicitly a horror show. It was more of a sci-fi show, but it was definitely scary at times. Did either of you watch the Zack Files? Yes. No, I did not watch the Zack Files. I watched So this Weird. I loved So <laughs> Weird. Disappeared from the public consciousness. Oh, my God. The Zack Files was pretty scary sometimes there's one where they're like stuck in a vacuum cleaner and there's just like the spider hunting them down for revenge i was horrified i'm also like terrified of spiders and was like diagnosed with arachnophobia as a kid so i probably should not have been watching that no Um, (laughs) there was one where uh they want to go see their band scrap heap and he like you know he like gets whatever he wants or whatever 
the like weird things happened to him. It was like the premise of the show. So they're like, we're gonna go see Scrap Heap. We can wish ourselves Scrap Heap. Yes, yeah, Scrap Heap forever. And then like instead of going to see the band, they wind up in an actual Scrap Heap that is just like infinite and goes on forever, and they're just stuck there. And it's like this is scary. I would be terrified. I would be absolutely like, that, terrified. That's like existential horror. <laughs> oh my goodness that that is a lot i i think i also got scared by things that just weren't horror movies like like i think yeah most people were but like the wizard of oz terrified me as a kid oh yeah and it wasn't so i mean like the monkeys did scare me don't get me wrong but like it wasn't it wasn't just like the monkeys and the witch it was like because the whole movie is about dorothy being lost and trying to find her way home and that was my mm. biggest fear as a kid was just being lost. Oh. And that's the whole plot of that fucking movie. <laughs> I oh, remember so that, right. that, ter- that terrified me so much as a kid. That and, of course, the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory kids going up that chocolate tube terrified <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, my God. Chocolate killing you? Talk about the scariest thing ever. I would hate for my love of my life to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Reason, those ones didn't actually scare me but i was scared by the jimmy neutron halloween special oh <laughs> which one happened in that one uh they all turn into real monsters oh yeah that's the one where Car- carl becomes dracula so then he he's, he's got to suck in his blood but first he hypnotizes her and he asks her uh, what is your blood type <laughs> and she replies <laughs> a positive one and he goes oh great and i just like it's one of those jokes that goes over your head as a kid and then as an adult you're just like yeah, I feel like the vampire should always ask that. Actually, that that, makes, <laughs> <laughs> that that probably matters. Oh my god, that's so funny! That's there. There is that Family Guy joke where, like, before Dracula like drinks someone's blood in their sleep, he like does like a lab test, and like turns out like they're like positive for HIV. He goes, "Well, this is why we have the lab," and he moves on to like another victim, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, D- David, should you insert a uh, plug here? Yeah, or <laughs> we we have an entire episode on the Lost Boys and Fright Night, which is about queer vamps of the eighties, and uh, HIV and AIDS comes up a lot in that episode. That the vampires, I mean, vampires have always been a queer metaphor, like they they are, but in in that era, especially with the AIDS epidemic, epidemic or pandemic, I don't know. I think epidemic. The vampire movies of that era really played into that. And it's not obvious, but the more you sink into it, the more it just clicks and makes sense. Joel Schumacher, who directed Lost Boys, was an openly gay man himself and talked about it and was horrified by the AIDS epidemic. He like when they when they he went and got tested and they told him he didn't have it. And he didn't believe them. He's like, I must have it because everybody I know has it. So I, he, he went and got tested again. And they're just like, no, you, you, re- you really don't have it. It's um, <laughs> also really sad, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really sad. Well, that's, I mean, that's some, it's a, a big fear that a large group of people dealt with, especially during the 80s. And it's like, yeah, no wonder it's talked about through film. Like, it, yeah. A lot of people suffered that, and I, I, it's it's crazy that like we don't see that or didn't see it as much until recently when people were like, "Oh yeah, queer people watch movies. We should make movies about their experience." 
Right. And yeah. horror and- is so great at talking about these subjects that other movies are afraid to tackle or, or aren't yes. able to tackle because you can do it indirectly. Horror can get at these topics sometimes without even realizing it's doing it. During the, the Hayes Code, horror movies would still have like subjects about homosexuality, about other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horror is very good at that. Yeah, definitely. And going back to you know what, why I think we all think that horror has merits to be discussed about and everything is is things like this because that is a kind of a we're talking about the Lost Boys. You know, it's a unique experience that a certain sector audience members would be able to identify with, but it's still kind of like packaging that story to everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great vehicle for messaging. Yeah. Great horror is a way of tapping into the public subconscious. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, and it's playing off of it, it. Always finds a way to like play off of these like specific fears and like how to tell a story around that, which I think is one of like the like unique things about the genre is that like it's it's very clever about how it like tricks you into like thinking about certain things or being able to be like, oh, I would have never thought about this perspective before if you you know, give, give it a little bit of time to, to actually think about it. Uh, pivoting again, <laughs> because <laughs> David, you brought up something and uh, we actually just recorded an episode on this about whether or not Jurassic Park is a horror movie. And I love that you automatically went with, yeah, I think I'm going to sh- show your niece that movie to get her into <laughs> horror. Cause like, I mean, we all three, we didn't share our opinions going on into it. And by the time this recording comes out, that episode already be out. So I don't feel, worry about spoiling anything but um we all were in line that we all thought it was a horror movie but uh, uh yes, i still find it, it so funny that some people argue that it's not <laughs> I, know. I like only found out that people argue that like a year or two ago and i was just like what <laughs> of, of course what are, of course it's what <laughs> i was so confused i'm like how how do you make that argument and they're just like oh well kids can watch it so it's not hard and i'm just like that's the dumbest argument i've ever heard yeah it's so yeah that was an actual it, argument someone made of me and i'm like what what are you talking about what are you talking about a lot of the time i say steven spielberg is one of my favorite horror directors and people are like wait what i'm like dude he's done so many horror movies but it's just it's not that thought of immediately connecting steven spielberg to horror or jurassic park to horror or like for some reason jaws to horror people are just like oh jaws it's a blockbuster that's the thing it's known as i'm like yeah, but blockbusters can be horror movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's the thing that just fascinates me is that it, he, he, like it's like him specifically, he just kind of knows how to like package it in a way that's like Yeah. Like you don't feel a sense of doom or dread, but you are like scared too at the same time. I don't it's mm-hmm. weird. I, it, it, he's just one of those people that can pull it off. I also just think there's a bias where a lot of people will dismiss something as not being horror if it's good, which is really annoying. When when Get Out was doing its awards campaign, they they all decided to pretend that it wasn't horror. Like now, thankfully, that awards campaign is over, so we're all able to admit it's horror. But during that, like, 
January whatever of that year, everyone was like, it's not really a horror movie. It's it's a thriller. And I'm like, no, it's a horror movie. I, Just because you want to win an Oscar doesn't make it not a horror movie. <laughs> I also hate that argument so much that like it's not a horror, it's a thriller. Which I'm kind of <laughs> like, well, well, can't th- like what like to me like thriller is like they're they're under the same umbrella. It's just like different, yeah. you know, moods. But like it's yeah. thrillers are horrors to me. Yeah, I'm I'm coming more and more to this conclusion that I don't think thriller is a genre in itself. <laughs> like it just either <laughs> falls under drama, action, or horror for the most part. Sometimes romance, like it's. It, thriller is a subgenre of some other genre. Like it's not, it's not its own thing. That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah I yeah. feel like thriller is like more of like a mood than it is a genre. Like it's that yeah. kind of like tense sort of Hard feeling kind of, of something true. coming. Genre is a weird thing because I, I feel like different genres describe different things. Like I, I forget which movie it was now, but someone tried to argue that something wasn't horror; it was sci-fi, and I'm like, those that's. There, there's an entire horror sci-fi <laughs> is like a thing though and it, it's because some of these descriptors will describe the plot like a romance is a descriptor of the plot horror is more a descriptor of mood maybe depending who you ask and then there is like a sci-fi or fantasy describe the setting of the movie like these are all describing different aspects so you can have all of those together you could have a horror sci-fi romance like bride of frankenstein yeah (laughs) great example yeah you and yeah and there are move there are like other genres that kind of more describe a period of film like uh french new wave if you want to call that uh, a genre then great but it's describing a specific movement within the history of film yeah so if you were to make a French new wave movie now, then well, you made a movie influenced by French new wave. It's not, it's not part of that movement from that era. And I don't know where I was going with this. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm here for the ride though. Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) It's like the weirdness of genre because it, 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 they all describe different aspects of film and like a movie can have more of these aspects and they can all mix together. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it gets hard when you talk about things like slasher, though, because for the most part, I, I totally agree with you. But then slasher, I feel like it's usually that is just like a horror genre that is probably because it is a little more formulaic in its sense. There are there are romance slashers. I know David is going to say like there are sci-fi slashers and romance slashers. There's alien, like all these things. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. But whole I, other thing. Oh, Jurassic whole Park other thing. Yeah. yeah, Jurassic Park, sci-fi, sci- Jurassic Park, sci-fi slasher. It is, kind yeah, because yeah. well, it follows so, that same rules of like a group of people being picked off one by one throughout the movie, right? And there are rules within the movie that they need to follow to survive. I think slasher means two different things. Um, I came to this opinion recently. I think it means what you're discussing, Devin, where it's describing like the structure, the plot of the movie of like killing them off one by one, blah 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 usually a humanoid villain but during our episode on x and friday the 13th rob started talking about i think he called it neo slashers and was describing x as like is this neo slasher just a slasher and i was like what what the fuck are you talking about Uh, (laughs) because when he said that i started to associate that with like film noir was a movement in the 40s and 50s and if you make something like that afterwards then it's usually referred to as neo-noir it is inspired 
Spidey film noir movement. And what I have realized after our recording, actually, is that by referring to modern slashers as neo-slashers, he was actually changing the meaning of slasher to be a specific movement in film history. Mm. And I thought think that that is so interesting and kind of true as well. And like, if you, you can look at slashers as this movement that happened like between maybe back to Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw or maybe back to Halloween up until like, I don't know, maybe Scream is the first Neo slasher or whatever. Like it's, it's, there's not a specific era that I have in mind, but basically the 1980s and a few years around that, that you could look at that as this is the slasher era, that there were so freaking many slashers being just pumped out, pumped out, pumped out. And now when we make slasher movies, we are kind of always referring back to the 80s slashers. We are always looking back at those and kind of playing on them or trying to recreate them or subverting them in some way. And maybe that is how we should be looking at slashers. Maybe we are now making these neo slashers where we're referring back to this era of the the slasher movement instead of uh, instead of the slasher genre, the slasher movement. Maybe I think it can fit in both. Well, the the evolution of slashers is like really interesting too, because it's like how far back do you go? Because like I know that people do mm-hmm. cite Texas Chainsaw and Black Christmas as like technically the first slashers, but like when you watch those, it only has some of the elements that we think of now. Like it, d- d- those two movies definitely don't have the whole sex equals death sort of thing in it. And then, right. but like you could even go further back to like Psycho kind of being like the grandmother or grand whatever grandmother of slashers and then also like the italian giallo movies are also very slasher ific so it's kind of like interesting seeing how it has kind of leapfrogged between the decades and how it's evolved and and then it at one point to your point david it kind of just became synonymous with horror like people would just say like oh that's a slasher movie meaning it's a horror movie but it doesn't always mean it was actually slasher Right. And then there's the eternal question of whether or not Alien is a slasher movie. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, I think we're <laughs> we're in agreement there. <laughs> but yeah, genre is, is I just find like that discussion just fascinating to you know, what are the rules to it? Like what defines it? Cuz I think I don't know, have y'all seen Death Becomes Her? Yes. I have not. Uh, it's a it, it's I, I recommend it. It's a pretty wacky, very campy horror movie. I, I would call it a horror movie, but uh, I don't know if you do, Devin. But uh, I remember we did that episode and somebody commented that like this isn't a horror movie. It just has horror elements in it, but it's not a horror movie. And it's just like so it has some like so it has the framework of horror movie, but it's not horror. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, that's difficult. I feel Was like I. I, I subscribe more and more to the idea of like the old timey idea that there are two genres there's comedy and drama and i'm like yeah Mm. there's comedy and drama and i mean in the industry you know we consider or used to consider horror sci-fi everything else just genre movies because they have a very specific different audience different way of them being created and i'm like as much as i don't want to subscribe to that because it just kind of sounds like oh horror and sci-fi are then going to be like othered i kind of agree with it like there's comedy there's drama everything else falls underneath one of those and then horror elements quote unquote falls into the genre like just genre 
because I would agree <laughs> Death Becomes Her is a horror movie, but it is a comedy. But that doesn't mean that you can't have both, obviously. And yeah, it's it's hard to like piecemeal certain mm-hmm. things. In college, my theory was that there were three genres, which were drama, comedy, and thriller, actually. Sorry, Devin. Oh, God. <laughs> and that everything <laughs> was a mix of these three in some way. Because then the thriller category would basically be horror, action, the things that make you excited. I had a screenwriting professor once pitch that uh, he, he, he wasn't describing it as genre, but he said that the movies need to do at least one of four things. They can do more, but it needs to be at least one. He was very British, so he said it was uh, it needs to reach out to your mind or reach out to your heart or tickle your fancy. <laughs> I love that because it's just a catch-all. Or mm-hmm. assault your gut. And I, I still think about that. I'm just like that. I love that so much. It's good, but I feel like, I mean, thinking about horror, just bringing it back to like the topic of the conversation, like it could do all of that. It can. and Yeah. But I'm curious too, like a horror comedy in that sense, David, where would that fall under? Would it fall under comedy or thriller? Both. I don't I feel like you, that's unfair. It's unfair. Well, you know, it, it's a Venn diagram, right? And like there's overlapping yeah, exactly. parts of it. But yeah. then but then you get to six genres and not just three. You know? Well, seven, because you also have to consider the ones that are all three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the full theory was actually that almost every movie will have at least a little bit of all three of these. But it's like a... The the specific triangle of how it maps out <laughs> will will be slightly different. That uh maybe this one is like mostly drama, but also quite a bit of comedy and just a tiny touch of thriller. And that would be something like I don't know, like Annie Hall or no, that's not Annie Hall at all. I would say probably <laughs> any Harold movie that won Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> Everything so it... everywhere all at once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's so trying clutch described. So the way that you describe that, Dave, it makes me think like it sounds like it's very like quantitative almost. You know, like Yes. So This here, is a theory here, I had in college. I don't necessarily believe it now, but well, let, it well, is, let's yeah. test it. Okay. <laughs> so here's in so here's something I've been thinking about a lot too. About the, the, the quantity of genre elements in it. Does that then make it, you know, if it's over this percentage, does that you know, kill everything else as an right, this is this genre then. So I recently rewatched Titanic and which is like a three hour <laughs> movie. And the second half of the movie, which a second half of a three hour movie is 90 minutes, which is normally 100 percent of another movie yeah. is the whole ship sinking. And it is horrific. So 50 percent or 90 minutes of a movie being scary. Does that make it a horror movie? But people don't classify Titanic as a horror movie. I'm not making a case for it right now but i don't know it's like that whole question of like the, the quantification of it and and all that i don't know i thought totally <laughs> want to explore this idea of titanic being a horror movie that's yeah. amazing i mean it definitely fits into that whatever you want to call the the thriller point the uh the the heart pumping point mm-hmm. thriller might be the wrong word but i don't know what else it would be 
the excitement, I guess. I don't know. The drama with the tension. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> trying to convince you there's only two genres. Go continue. Because <laughs> the, well, no, because the way that in this model, the way you would classify drama is more based on character, personal tension, internal tension. Tension. Um, it's more about that, but a different tension. kind. <laughs> Because no. <laughs> it wouldn't include like the exterior tension. It wouldn't Why not? include the outside forces or the, the big set pieces. But the outside forces <laughs> should reflect the internal struggle and the internal tension of its characters. Anyway, it's let's focus on Titanic. Model. <laughs> <laughs> I also think different models are just different way different lenses by which to analyze things. Like I don't think one is necessarily more true than another. It's like people always talk about three-act structure. Personally, I prefer four-act structure, but they're just different ways of describing the same thing. Like you can you can make Titanic, which I haven't seen since I was like five, and I, I don't think I ever saw the whole thing all the way through, so it's going to be hard for me to get in-depth about it. But <laughs> Perfect. Um, this is how we should argue about it. That in three acts you can split it up into a three act structure but you can also split it up into four acts if you want like you can do either of those and they're just different ways of looking at the same piece of work and you might wind up with slightly different interpretations depending on which approach you take but they are both valid approaches yeah i and to go back to the quantitative question yeah i don't i don't think there is the like i don't at least personally don't subscribe to like we should quantify it because for me, how to measure something is more in like, as we've been talking about mood and themes and mm. the core. And if we want to get to like the core lesson or learning from the film as well, or the intent of the filmmaker. So to me, Titanic is, is a romance if we're looking at that one specifically, because we, because we are talking about the main characters and, and their struggle there, but there is that core at the ending but some of the older films like monster movies for instance sometimes we don't see the monster or sometimes the main character doesn't turn into a werewolf until the last act so if we're looking at it a con quantitative as well 90 minute film 30 minutes of it is with a monster i've lost myself now but we can we still consider that being a horror film yes but then <laughs> I've lost myself. I put myself into a spiral. I, I know what you're saying. I don't no, think I, you need. I, I, I see where you're going. Yeah. I don't think you need a quantitative. I don't know how to verb that. <laughs> quantify. Quantify that. I don't know that you need to quantify it minute by minute. Because also, like, some minutes will literally have both, sometimes at the same time. It, it's like, like, how would you put the room on this? <laughs> the room, the Tommy Wiseau film? Yeah. Oh my god. The room ruins any <laughs> argument about analyzing film and I I love it so much. It, it the room is just the ultimate perspective destroyer. <laughs> I I would argue some people would any... say that's not a movie. <laughs> it's literally a movie. It's literally a, you cannot argue it's not a movie. That is makes no sense. It's there there are images and they are sequential and there is sound set to it. it it's a movie. It's obviously a movie. <laughs> but classifying it becomes impossible. And I will still get really mad anytime I see someone on Letterboxd or whatever giving it like half a star. I'm like, but did you like it? And they'll say, oh, yeah, I love that movie. I'm like, then why the 
fuck did you give it half a star? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. People do it like, oh, I'm trying to be objective. And I'm like, there's no such thing. You can't be objective. Stop trying to be objective. That's not real. But even outside of the room, there's something like uh, Bard and Fink, I guess. A lot of Coen Brothers stuff, actually. Oh, here we A go. A serious man. Yeah. Where you have these moments where it's like, I I can't tell like if this was supposed to be funny, <laughs> and it's both like uh, it, 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 there are all these bizarre, weird dream sequences in a serious man that are like kind of scary. They also like are really just tapping into the the characters and getting deeper into characters, and they're like struggle for meaning, but they're also like really funny in an awkward way. And it's it's doing all of these things in the same breath, in the same moment, in the same line. And it's just whatever you bring to this movie is how you will take away from that moment. And and I, I love that. So I, I don't think you can even even on the simple comedy drama scale, I don't think you can quantify those quite so easily as well. You can have a very dramatic reaction to a funny movie as well. Like, what's a good example of that one? Bride of Frankenstein is a really funny movie, since we already said it. But it's also, like, extremely sad at yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. I agree. And and t- to be fair, I don't actually subscribe to the comedy drama thing, because I, I agree. It, there's a lot that crosses over with the other. I'm just here to play devil's advocate, as I love doing, <laughs> just to poke <laughs> holes and everything and make you think differently. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> just stirring the pot just because yeah. just I, I just find I guess it's a whole segment on my show whenever we do cover movie is that like after we discuss like our general opinions, it's the first thing is what subgenres does it fall into of horror? Yeah. And it's fun to do that. It's and especially challenging whenever I do like a Friday the 13th movie because it'll be like very boring to always just say, oh, well, it's a slasher. But like. The, even like even like that first one is like technically falls under kind of like a whodunit sort of type of feel to it. Is that a genre? I don't know. Yeah, but I, I then, like that section for you because you get like really creative with what kind of genres. <laughs> I I forget which one it was, but you were like, "Is this a hangout movie?" And I'm like, "What's that?" And then you explain what it is, and it's, it's like, "I love this." <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it's just a whole new lens to approach movies from. <laughs> Yeah, because oh yeah, that's right. Because we because uh, the first Slumber Party Massacre, I say that that's a hangout movie. Yeah, that's also a slasher. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I think we I think we agree that the second one wasn't really the hangout movie. I think yeah, there's there's too many scenes or setting changes for it to be a hangout. Yeah, movie. <laughs> mm. it's too it's much, a very too much going on bizarre film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's, it's a musical. It's great. Oh, oh yeah, that's another thing. Like, is it? I th- I think I fell under. Like, it's a it's a um, fuck. What are they called? A uh, music video. Yeah, I said music oh. video more than musical. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a thing. Mm. Yeah, which isn't really a real genre, but like, hey, it is on my show. So <laughs> <laughs> my show, my rules. <laughs> exactly. Well, David and Devin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I've already taken up like your whole mornings, but uh, I really appreciate <laughs> both of you coming on and bringing super excellent thoughts and really just cool insights to everything. Please 
plug yourselves, plug cadaver dogs, like let people know where they can find you in the podcast. Yeah, I wouldn't spend my mornings doing anything else. This is what I love. So thanks for having us on. This was really fun. And thank you for letting us just go at it for, for two hours. Our show is Cadaver Dogs. We're on all podcast platforms. We're on Instagram at Cadaver Dogs Pod and X Twitter at Cadaver Dogs Pod. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> the horror community is too good on there. I can't leave it. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And David, if you want to plug any of yeah. things that you have. Uh, well, I have a short film that's making its festival rounds right now called Pillow Talk. It is a horror movie. That's why I'm plugging it. <laughs> it's a five minute spooky paranormal horror movie. If you, I don't know what the next festival for it is going to be, but if you want to follow that, then you can just follow me on Instagram. I am at your friendly neighborhood underscore DBJ. <laughs> From that handle, uh, you can probably figure out my other love, which is Spider Man. Yes. <laughs> and one more plug, if we if we can, there is a movie that David and I did together. David directed it. I starred in it which was weird and yes. also produced it and produced it and produced it. It's a slasher short and it's currently on Screenbox and Roku. It is called blind spot. We are season three, I think of bloody shorts by bloody disgusting. So you can check us out there. You'll probably see my face. Just we'll, we'll send you a link Brooker to put in there. Uh, yeah. Blind spot is it's, it's, a celebratory parody of all those uh, terrible B horror movies that we we love. It's 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 very silly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll be sure to put all links in the show notes for people to check out Cadaver Dogs, both of you, and um, your your movie too, which is so awesome. Can't wait to check that one out myself. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for coming on. I love just nerding out with you two about horror movies. So this was, this has been so much fun. Best way to spend a Saturday morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much again for having us. Yes. Uh, thank you again for everybody for listening. You could find autopsy poor movie on X, ugh, Twitter, or Instagram, and now threads at Brooker horror. Um, be sure to share with friends with family and be sure to watch some good movies. See you next time. Bye. Peace.